Thank you again um, for this powerful uh, mission. We had the privilege also to be there on some days. I think it's a good idea to register for the TSM. Um, also to register for the information day so that you can get information, especially uh, if you are watching on TOSCV and you are hungry, uh, you are more than welcome to inform. It's a good opportunity to um, yeah, break through some borders, right? These are 20-year-old um, people who go to Holocaust survivors ask for forgiveness for the guilt of their ancestors isn't that you know th th that's crazy to do that and doing that by being happy i tell you why because they understood something of the heart of god the ministry for holocaust survivors is a ministry of healing and i believe it is a ministry straight at the heart of god and doing this you can no one. Uh, you you cannot um, uh, try to 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 win someone for that. You can only do that if um, you have you have made the experience for, for, from the heart of God yourself. So if you know the living God and if you love Him so much that you know what that means to Him, I think that is um, quite quite a statement. And this is. Um, an invitation to invite the Holy Spirit and to, to cross through the borders. That's what my sermon is about. I'm preaching about the multiplication of oil of Eliza in Second Kings 4, 1-7. to And I'm connecting to some other sermons that um, I preached about. There were also about Eliza. We know Eliza, Elisha was a prophet. He had different prophet students among him. So he was leading a prophet, a TSM, you could say. And there, something dramatic happened. One of the students died and left back an entire family. Children and the, the widow came to Elijah. And obviously, the prophet uh, student was in debts. So the widow knew when I don't pay these debts, my um, sons will be sold to slavery. And I want to read this story to you and then share some more thoughts with, with you. Second Kings 1 to 7, 4, 1 to 7. Mein Mann ist gestorben und du weißt ja, dass sein Knecht den Herrn fürchtete. Nun kommt der Schuldherr und will meine beiden Kinder nehmen zu leibeigenen Knechten. Elisa sprach zu ihr, was soll ich dir tun? Sage mir, was The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but his, now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she has said. Expect a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask just for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind, and you and your sons pour oil into the jars, and as each is filled, put it to the to put it out to the side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring another one. But he replied, there is no jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went to the, she went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So she was in a situation of crisis, but wherever she looked, she only saw borders. She only saw the impossible. She didn't know how to go on. She had no um, left backs of money. She was in existential crisis. She would even lose her sons if she cannot find an answer to this crisis. So these walls around her were very big. And there was a sign that she saw and it said impossible, impossible, impossible. 
We know that the Bible says, says something different. The Bible says that through faith we can overcome borders. We know that there, there are no limitations with God. And this story of Elisha and this um, multiplication of oil, it represents how God calls simple people in this special time to overcome borders. And we need that. So, first, we live with borders. We live with limitations. I think we can see this clearly during Corona time. Limitations uh, have, uh, you know, loosened up a little bit. Uh, we have, again, um, the freedom to travel, but we cannot approach each other e easily, but we have to sit with distance, we have to wear masks, and there are borders and limitations financially. We don't know how the economy will go on. We cannot plan, we cannot plan um, uh, vacation. You know, we don't know how to go on, and there is a limitation, and it's something normal. Um, but there are also limitations through our the way we were raised through our how, how we were characterized in our family we also know limitations through our Christian life we know what's possible and what's not possible we know what we want and what we don't want we experience limitations through our experiences we make maybe you have made negative experience and immediately there is a voice inside that says we don't want that to happen again our inner borders they are invisible in our head but they are there limitations are what we feel what we think, what we want, what we don't want what, what we can do, what we can't do these are our inner borders thoughts that say I can do it or I cannot do it, it's impossible, it won't work out you know these are the thoughts that say it's impossible. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? These are all limitations. And they are stigmatized in our head. There, there's no book that you have written them down and they're all different um, from each person to each person. And there are also um, limitations we see and experience as reborn Christians. Phrasings like, I'm too old, I'm too young, now I'm a mother, now I can't do this anymore because I'm responsible for my kids, I can't do that, I'm too sick, I have too many other responsibilities, I have no money, I don't have any experience, I have nothing, I have not, I have not, I have not. And the Bible says that's not true. The Bible says that's not true. All things are possible for he who believes. The Bible says that, that, that works. It, it will work. Our faith is what has overcome the world and it's our victory. The Bible says, I can jump above every wall with my God. And if we go on reading that we see that the only limitation that is valid before God that is your measure of faith. Lacking faith is the reason why we hold on to borders and enter ourselves into prisons. And there are so many people sitting in the prison of their own limitations. And that's why God is unable to do things. And the same was valid for this widow. The second aspect is that God is calling people in times of crisis. That's somehow strange. Because we think God will call people when they are feeling specially good, when they have enough money, when they feel we are so equipped, and when we have prayed so super long and feel specially holy. But for God, that's different. Now, interestingly, this was the worst time for the widow to be taught about faith. That's how we think, but God thinks differently. Now, God sees it that way. If you are in a crisis, if nations are in a crisis, if other people are in a crisis, that's the best time to get to know Him and to be taught about faith. It's the best time to learn how to be dependent on Him and how to 
overcome borders. And so this widow was in, ex in an existential crisis. She was suffering. She was sad about her husband. She was kept in this depth prison and she was afraid for her sons. And I think she had tried out everything. Now finally, now finally, she comes to Elijah. She shares her story and I don't know what she expected. Maybe she expected financial help or uh, practical help. Um, you know, retirements were not were not there that day. Maybe she was also just looking for comfort, but the fact was that she had only one jar of oil left at home, and that's not a lot. And so we have to understand what the meaning of oil is in the Bible. It had a double meaning. It meant um, anointing oil, so to, to, to anoint somebody. And the first meaning was the was the meaning of wealth. The oil was used to anoint oneself, to um, yeah, to to um, to care for yourself. And in Psalm um, 139, we read that it is a, an expression of joy. Psalm 133. I'm sorry. It describes how how the priest Aaron is. Um, had this oil pouring down from his head through his beard to his feet. And um, it's an expression of joy. And then the other meaning is an expression um, or a meaning of authority because the priests and kings were anointed with oil. So this lady comes to Elisha. Are you still with me? So she comes to Elisha and Elisha says what she has to do. If I were in her place, I probably would have expected Elisha to say, now, I will give you a miracle of uh, flour so you can bake uh, enough bread or maybe a, a chicken miracle so she had meat to eat. I think that would have, would have been efficient. Or maybe a cow I, or a goat, <laughs> something like that would not have been bad, right? Because we think uh, in a practical sense. I think she, expect, she expected practical help. But what Elisha says to her, uh, it, it's strange. Maybe she, she thought, did I hear correctly? Did I hear that right? Elisha says, now you, you hid away in your house and you arranged with all the things you have done Nothing is left. And she had big eyes looking at Elisha. And then he replies, now go to your neighbors, knock on the next door and the next door and the next door and ask them for something. And she said, well, yes, of course, I will ask them for money here, for help there, for money there. But Elisha says, now ask them every one of your neighbor to give you an empty vessel. And I think she was she was very astounded about this answer. She didn't expect that. Why should I ask for an empty vessel? But she's doing it. Praise the Lord. And that is the first border she overcomes. She hears the word of the prophet. And although she does not understand the task, she goes. That's the first step of faith. She goes from neighbor to neighbor, knocks on the first neighbor's door, and she says, I would like to have an empty jar. And the neighbor is full of mercy, mercy and says, I want to give you oil. And she says, no, I need an empty jar. She goes to the next neighbor and says, no, I need an empty jar. Um, let me give you some, some food in your vessel. And she says, no, I need it empty. And then the next neighbor is also merciful. And she always asks for empty jars. And all the neighbors think she's crazy. Why is she collecting empty jars in her situation? Now she had lots of empty jars, but no oil. 
Weißt du, die Witwe, sie verlässt sich auf das Wort vom Mann Gottes. Sie verlässt the widow, she relies on the word of the man of God. She relies on what God says to her. She overcomes a first limitation. She does something what nobody else would do. She opened up an invisible door in the heaven of faith. And my dear friends, that's what it's about. We always try to do what's doable in the Christian way. We always try to experience the natural. But faith leaves the dimension of the natural, of the visible, of the real, and is willing and ready to do the unusual, although nobody might understand. Faith relies more on the word of God than on the visible reality. And the widow still has not the miracle in her hand. She has lots of empty jars now, but, you know, with two very important steps she walked, she had opened up the door of faith in her life. The first step was that Elisha said, Go, don't remain standing at the point where you are. Don't remain in your frustration. Don't remain in your sadness. Don't remain in your house. Get out and walk around and go. And the second point, um, keep on moving. You know, maybe we try one time and then we're frustrated that it didn't work and we go back to our old habits. But Elisha says, um, don't let go. Go from door to door to door. Keep on walking. God is calling us in times of crisis and he's calling normal people. God is calling normal people who are willing to overcome their borders. Can I see some hands with normal people here? <laughs> Those who didn't raise their hand, what about you? <laughs> Are you a normal person? I am. I'm not a superstar. I don't have a holy um, uh, halo. I'm just normal. Say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say I'm alive. <laughs> okay. So, these were normal people. In the Bible, we always read about men and women of God, but Elisha, he was a normal young man. And he was a, um, <laughs> he was a farmer. <laughs> Anyways, he was just willing um, to follow his, his, um, his leader. Elijah was just 17, uh, Jeremiah was just 17, and he was shaking when God called him. And he said, I'm too young, but God said, don't say, um, <laughs> don't say you're too young. And when I came to Jesus and I was 21 years old, I thought I cannot say that word because people who were younger than 15 said to me, don't say you're too young. See, the border is not your age, it's not your sickness, it's not the impossible, but it's in your faith. See the example of Jonah. He received a calling, and we knew what he did. He left the opposite direction. He was supposed to go to Nineveh and preach repentance, but he didn't want to, so he ended up in the belly of a, 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 a big fish. Many Christians are in the fish's belly because they were disobedient. But he repented and um, he made it. So when we repent, um, God can use us again. The 12 disciples, they were also normal people. They followed Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit came on them, and what happened? They broke through limitations. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what they did. If you look at the kingdom of God and uh, the followers of Jesus, that's the calling. If you look back and you cannot say where you broke through borders during the last half year, then 
Probably you fell asleep spiritually. But the Holy Spirit came on the disciples and they broke through the borders of Jewish life and said, Go into all the nations. And he brought them from Jerusalem to Antiochia to different cities and nations. My friends, we have a special calling. You have the calling to be a spreader. Not a corona spreader, but a spreader of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. <laughs> that is the calling. And that's how the gospel spreads. It's a virus of the love of God that can plant in the heart of people. That's our calling. But if we remain in our limitations, we will become frustrated. Being kept in, 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 in limitations means frustration and being kept in fear. So when I'm frustrated, then it's probably a sign that I am kept in my borders. It's impossible, that is impossible, that doesn't work out. Have you ever heard people like that? That's not working, that's impossible, can't do that, can't do this. These are voices you shouldn't listen to. First of all, listen to the voice that says, for our God, everything is, everything is possible. We have to listen to the voice of God and follow it. And if we do that, everything is possible for him who believes. So, next point. I'm very happy about it. On Tuesday, I already said a little bit about it. Um, we had a leader meeting here, and from Prague, I was uh, uh, streamed on this uh, screen here and share a work. Uh, share a word. So the chief leader of our um, newspaper. Uh, he uh, recommended that I was supposed to talk about um, spiritual breakthroughs in different nations. And when I did that, I suddenly realized something because spiritual, um, spiritual breakthroughs always happen throughout history with very normal people. Uh, people who had no preconditions. A young pastor came to Azusa Street and his parents were sold as slaves and he met with some friends and started to pray and they were just hungry for God. There was no internet, there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook or whatever. They were simply hungry for, hungry for God. And they met and prayed and the power of God came in such a great way and the, the healing anointing of, of the Holy Spirit came and they started to have church service in the morning at 10 and often they left at 12 in the night. They couldn't leave anymore because God's presence was there. And after eight days, they didn't say, you know, we have responsibility, we have family, we have, uh, um, we have work. For some reason, these people said, we cannot stop because the power of God is here. And so they went on. And thousands of people joined the assemblies. And thousands of people gave their life to Jesus within three years. It was the start of the Pentecost movement worldwide. 600 million people nowadays belong to that movement and probably many more. And he was just a young pastor without any precondition. He was simply hungry for God. He broke through limitations. He broke through the limitation of impossible. He was simply available for God. After the Pentecost movement, they entered Germany. And the world wars broke out. First world war, second world war. It was a huge demonic wave that attacked the generations and killed the generations that were supposed to 
to give their love to Jesus. And then after the Second World War, here there was such a hunger for God in Germany. And there was something that we have not heard about a lot. Yes, our fathers and great-grandfathers and grandfathers were silent about what happened, but there were also many people who came to Christ. So during that time, tents were built up, and it's the so-called time of tent missions, and these tents were filled with thousands and ten thousands of people from different denominations, brotherhoods, Baptists, Pietists, Charismatics, Pentecost people. Billy Graham came as a young evangelist in the 60s, and he went from city to city. And thousands of people gave their life to Jesus. Times of need are times in which God breaks through with the gospel. So there was one evangelist and he really moves me. Because we had him here when we had our churches um, at the beginning of the foundation of the church. I didn't know who he was, but he was a former cameraman in Hollywood, and uh, his name is Hal Hermann. And he walked with the big players of the former time, and he gave his life to Jesus. Because he saw what happened in Vietnam, and he became an evangelist, a follower of Jesus, came to Germany in the post-war time. In 1949-47, he built up a tent at the Potsdamer Place in Berlin, and he declared he preached the gospel, and people came there. Journalists came because they saw the times and miracles that happened there. And within three years, so from 47 to 50, 27,000 people came to Christ. Just because of that ministry, a church was found. And that church um, settled down in Berlin and it, it's called uh, at the Nollendorf Platz. It's a, a place in Berlin. They lived a normal church life, but uh, someday it got less and they fell asleep and the generations were very old. They, they were just spiritually sleeping. There was no power in their spiritual life, but they um, decided to employ a pastor. And um, they employed a young pastor, he was 20 years old, and his name was Volkart Spitzer. And we thought, now revival will start, or they thought, now revival will start, but nothing happened for years. And then, some years later, six or seven years later, there was a time of repentance in the church. And it's interesting that old and young repented for one point, which was that they had not enough um, love and passion for other people, people who are lost. And they prayed, Lord, forgive us, we are so indifferent. And they really repented with it. That was a time in which God um, added people. And f for an interesting reason, there were those who uh, were drug addicts in the former times. They were heroin addicts. They were really um, excluded from society. Um, there were prostitutes, people who were really... Um, abandoned and th these people came and they found help in the church and they saw how the old and young people accepted them and how the older generation welcomed them with their long hairs and their 
uh, brokenness, with their drugs and their bad past, they simply welcomed them. Suddenly, the question was no longer, oh, what can I do with my, my age? Where's my place? And I cannot do this, I cannot do that. That was not the question, but the Holy Spirit came and they simply welcomed them. God brought them in and quickly there were hundreds in these assemblies. And that movement was the start of the Jesus People movement in Germany. Back in the day, Charlotte lived in Berlin with her family. Her father was a pastor in Berlin. And when she was a teenager, she, she approached her father and she said, Father, my youth group is so dead. If I cannot go to the Nollendorf Platz, I will die spiritually. And her father was wise enough as a Baptist pastor. Um, he said, go to, the, go to the church. And that was her first spiritual experiences. And in 1972, there was a teenager in Lüdenscheid um, from a good parental home. And he read that a drug addict um, injected himself to death. And he saw that those drug addicts, they gave their life to Jesus. And suddenly they were free from drugs and started to read the Bible. And there was a band, they were called the Phantoms, as far as I know, and God was coming in their lives and be they became a Christian band. And they invited Volkat Spitza, so the pastor from Berlin. And they also invited the teenager Jobst. That was me. That was the first sermon I heard about. I can repeat that to you still today. It was the first sermon that really moved me and through what I was able to, to give my life to Jesus. So God uses normal people, no matter how old or young you are. God doesn't um, look on uh, what you can do and what you can't do. He is looking for open hearts. God used John Wesley with 82 years. He was writing his sermons and still going from place to place. God used David Wilkerson as a pastor who had no preconditions and he went to a slum. And you know the story of Nicky Cruz and he resisted him. And Nicky Cruz said, if you go on, then I will cut you into pieces. And David Wilkerson replied, even if you cut me into pieces, every piece of me won't stop loving you. That was the start of a prophetic uh, church movement. So, by the way, when Guido and Gurula were in their pastoral um, church, um, church training, uh, they went to the church of David Wilkerson, so they met him. Many people here can share their, their stories of how they sold their houses to serve others and build up a drug center in different countries and work day and night with little children who went with over 50 to Paraguay as a missionary. God uses simple people if we are simply willing to overcome our borders. And you know why? Because that's the character of Jesus. It's the character of Jesus. He broke through all border. He became the living, the living son of the living God here on earth. He broke through the borders at the cross. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. He broke through sin by his grace. Who lives in the spirit of Jesus cannot remain in the prison of his limitations. If we would scan us spiritually, where can we, where can we, um, Localize the limitations of ourselves. Is it in our hearts or 
you know, the, the Bible is quite clear about this. The Bible says that we were created in the image of the Trinity of God, in spirit, body, and soul. 1 Thessalonians something. It's the word of the Jewish word soul. It consists of um, consciousness and feeling. It's our personality. And if we look at the creation story, we see how God created men in paradise, created them from the dust and um, blew his breath into them. And so the, the man became a living soul, a personality. That's how it was. God created us in paradise without any borders. He didn't create us in rebellion, but there was eternal life. It was unlimited. The love of God was not limited. God created man to rule over, over the earth. Only one tree in the middle was forbidden. It's the tree of good and bad. We know that that human man, human being, that men rebelled against God and lost their relationship to God and um, the wall was built up because of sin. But since rebellion and sin of men against God, man has lost his freedom. So an invisible border, an, an invisible border that is unable to overcome was put between God and man. And since then, people live with limitations. Hard work and toughness, sickness, age. It's, it's a limitation. You know, you, you are um, living up to, you know, one day you will die. But nefesh, the, the soul, the, the, the place of personality, it always tells you, that doesn't work, that doesn't work, that doesn't work. That's why you have a word inside of you. I think there's nobody who can um, speak himself free from that, um, more or less, but there's an inner voice in you that says it's it's not it's not possible, and there's only one opportunity. How, how can I get rid of this level of of my soul, my my limitation? The soul needs somebody to rule over it, and that's your spirit. The Bible talks about spiritual Christians that you have to um, you have to be alive in spirit and have a relationship to the living God. That's a soft ground in which the word of God can be sowed into. And that only works when you give your life to Jesus. Only if you give your life to Him, you don't have to live with your limitations. But if you don't live with the Lord, you remain in your limitations. So, if you put all of your personality, all of your soul, all of your feelings under the, the, the ruling of God, then your soul can be ruled by Him. And that's life in the Spirit. It crosses any border. You can receive new life in Christ. Now it's not me who lives anymore, but Christ in me. I receive eternal life. Not in the future, or not just in the future. But those who were dead in sin have received new life. And we are put already in heaven now. You are not separated from God anymore, but the border was torn down. You can receive faith. You are healed. You are um, made new. And you are called. Did you know? Did you know that when we live in spirit and when we are dependent on God, you can have authority over any border? I'm approaching the end of my sermon. Let's look to the widow again. She went and closed the door behind her and her sons. 
And her sons brought you with the vessels, brought her the vessels, and when they were full, um, she said to her son, give me another vessel. And he replied, there is no other jar. So there was the oil. So let's uh, analyze it again. Elisha says to the widow, go. So she heard the word and she went. The second aspect, Elisha said, don't stop. The third aspect is, take the little you have and invest it. Okay? You got it? Take the little thing you have, the little left, the little oil, and invest it. If we don't invest the little thing we have, your faith cannot be built, your faith cannot grow. Everybody has received something from God. No one of us can say, I have nothing from God. No matter who we are, everyone has received something from God you can invest. The question is, are you doing it? Are we willing to invest? Maybe the Lord says, now it's done. Now I want to talk to you today as if this is our last service. As if we would never see again and you would never have the opportunity to come to service again, okay? And maybe the Lord says to you, what you want to invest is that you can approach your brother and sister and reconcile, right? That you go and hug and bless stop walking uh, with the distance around people maybe the Lord says um, give away what you love bless others and give to others the things you love oh that's that's the most precious watch I own my necklace is so precious to me you know sometimes the Lord asks you for things that you will really love because he wants to teach us to overcome and break through our uh, selfish borders maybe the Lord says to you spread your money so that you are um, able to spontaneously offer there was once a famous pastor and he has died a long, long time ago but he was a good friend of us and he was famous in Lüdenscheid because he could not pass anyone without uh, giving anyone 10 German marks. And his family didn't forbid it, but they paid attention that he, you know, had always enough money in his pocket so that he could share it. And I remember when um, we met him as students, and when we saw him, when he saw us here in Tübingen as students, he put out his wallet and gave us immediately 10, 10 euros, so 10 German marks. So maybe prepare to give so that you are not surprised. I don't know how you feel when you pass uh, homeless people. The Holy Spirit says, you were supposed to give. Oh, I don't have money on me. So invest. Give your time. What's ruling over you? Your plans, your program? the time that you have already planned invest the little you have so into anointing invest with your testimony at all times declare the word of God at all times because the word of God says I am not ashamed of the gospel well if I don't share anything I don't have to be ashamed of anything right so I can only do this when I'm willing to invest. So break through your borders. Break through your it doesn't work borders. And as soon as you invest this, no matter how old or young, you will receive your miracle. Isn't that interesting? 
dass der Herr bei der Witwe in dieser Zeit der Krise nicht die Grundnahrungsmittel vermehrt. That God does not multiply the, the, the basis, the, the main um, the main nourishments. He doesn't give chickens, he doesn't give uh, a cow or whatever because it's efficient, but he gives oil. And oil represents wealth, authority, anointing. That's what he multiplies. Do you know that there is joy in the crisis? Joy in, in times of, of battle? I remember our friend Carlos Jimenez. And I honor him because he has taught us. He taught us to live in a wealthy lifestyle in the spirit and not living uh, spirit in, uh, in poverty. And if he wouldn't be, um, we wouldn't sit here. And I'm greeting his daughter, Leslie Jimenez, who's probably watching right now and who is a full-time minister in our March of Life house in Israel. But Carlos always used to say, celebrate a feast in the desert. Especially when financially we were, when we had problems financially and we couldn't celebrate a feast in the desert. And he, by saying that, he meant go eat somewhere nice, but honor the Lord and declare that He is Lord and the oil will multiply. It's anointing oil of authority, uh, oil of wealth, oil of joy. Did I read it somewhere in the Bible that the joy of the Lord is my strength? The Holy Spirit has no limitations. We have taken from His fullness grace from grace. So what do we do with this after all? What was the secret of the widow? Why was she able to break through the border? You know, it, it was not so... It, did, it didn't look so big. She only got some empty jars. I probably wouldn't have done that. But she did what nobody thought. Why? There's a prophetic word that fell into my spirit and what confirms and that confirms what I have seen throughout the last months. The will be a time in which Christians are kept in their borders and limitations. So that means they can't get out of their prisons anymore. Many years they had opened up the doors. Many years they have tried to live a way that it works, but there will be a time in which Christians will remain and be kept in their limitations. And now listen carefully why the reason why is that while they were hearing the word of God um, while they were listening to sermons they didn't hear it anymore when the word of God was shared it's nothing different than um, you know spreading uh, spreading the seed and sometimes it falls on soft ground and sometimes it falls on hard ground you know the word you know the parable there are people who uh, listen to sermons but their heart is closed up they can't really listen to sermons anymore they stop praying they start to close their hearts they become frustrated and angry and yeah they go away from God although you cannot even see it on the outside and then they become enemies of Jesus isn't that strange that the left-wing radical radicals, the leading people there are sons and daughters of pastors. Did you know that? The leaders of the left-wing radicals, they're sons and daughters of pastors. And in the left-wing radical uh, movement, we find so many people who are disappointed of faith 
who are disappointed of the faith of the parents. I want to tell you something at the end of the sermon. You are called. You are called. You are called, just as the widow, to overcome and break through your limitations. And I'll lift your hand and say, just as the widow, I will break through my borders. I belong to those who break through the limitations. Amen. That's your calling. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. That's the calling of children of God. That's the calling of you and me, no matter where we come from, no matter what culture, no matter what household we come from, what our past is, how old we are. But that's our calling. And we want to live like that. And I know that when, when I had to do this for the first time, it was a similar church service like here I have never been in a church service in which the Holy Spirit moved it was very foreign to me and I would have loved to hide behind a curtain or somewhere but I sat in the last row and the Holy Spirit was moving powerfully and I was afraid that the Holy Spirit wants to he wants to do something with me I don't want Maybe some of you know that feeling. And then an altar call came and the question was, uh, who wants to have a new spirit and who wants to follow Jesus? Who really wants to have a relationship with the Lord? And you only can have a relationship with God if you speak to Him, if you pray, if you hear Him, if you experience Him. And maybe you don't know all this but you want it, then today is your timing. And the same was for me back in the day. And the preacher said, if you want to have that relationship for the first time, or maybe again, now stand up. And inside of me, everything was fighting. But I knew I had to break through the thought that now everyone has to see, can see me. Everyone is looking at me. I'm so ashamed. And, you know, all these thoughts that the widow had also when she had to uh, arrange all the vessels. Faith can only happen when I'm willing to break through my first border. Every one of us can do that. It's the step of your conversion. And it's also the step that when I'm far away from God to come back. You know, when we are long-time Christians, um, our, our most likely problem is that we are far away from Jesus and we only have to turn. And I knew I had to do this. So I stood up and I said, I don't care what others think of me, I'm doing it before God. And while I did this, his peace, his presence came. I know it's, it's, it's breaking through border to receive counseling, to, to receive hands laid on who pray for me. When I had to declare the word of God for the first time, it was breaking through the uh, limitation. Uh, when I confessed my sin, it, it was breaking through a border. I always said, Lord, I have no other chance but do so, because here I am. And every time, it was difficult before, and afterwards it was easy. Difficult before, and afterwards, glory of God. Come on, let us all stand. We want to pray together.